hearts. We are in a series called Awestruck. Awestruck. We're talking about walking through uh, the book of Isaiah, looking at different chapters and finding out uh, who our great king is. And uh, as we look at each facet of him, Lord, help me for that week to be just stunned and blown away with that piece. And then we just keep adding on more and more pieces. And Lord, help me by the end of this to be awestruck with you, stunned by your greatness, uh, stirred by your unmatchable character. That's what we're talking about. Okay. And so last week we were looking at sovereignty, uh, sovereignty. Hey, that's no small word, right? And, uh, we started trying to learn what that all means and trying to get our arms around the fact that God is in control of everything, everything. Uh, that means all the good, all the bad, everything runs through his hands and whether it's him allowing it, him disallowing it or him actually making it happen one way or another, it's all in his hand sovereign. And, uh, that's a great truth. Um, the problem is, as we struggle with that, sometimes the first thing we hear is the word control. And in our society today, right, control is a bad thing. Oh, you're being controlling, right? And so we're like, oh, fine. God's a controlling God. That's really good to hear. Uh, now I'm really stirred to love him. And uh, we have to be careful with that, that we don't accidentally now dismiss and put uh, what would be bad for a human being to control. Can we all agree it's bad for human beings to control? Everybody agree with that? Uh, but it's not bad for a sovereign God who has all power and all knowledge and all ability to make sure it happens just like it should to control. That's exactly what we want. And uh, this week we actually put this section right next to that uh, because I think it's important we see his tenderness as well. Today we're looking at his sacrifice. Uh, his love, his mercy, and his grace poured out for us. Yes, sovereign and in control, but also Loving, gracious, merciful, sacrificial, that's our king. May we worship him in his gentleness and his humbleness for us. Amen. All right. Turn with me, if you will, to Isaiah 53, uh, verses 1 through 12. We got the ushers coming forward with Bibles. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you. Uh, We are going to walk verse by verse through Isaiah 53. So just raise your hand. They'll get a Bible to you. All right. What's so great about this aspect of our God? What do we see about him? What can we learn of him? First, humble. He stepped down, clothed in frail humanity. Humble. He stepped down and clothed in frail humanity. Uh, We start out in Isaiah 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Who has believed? The question is simply this, do you believe in Jesus Christ? In chapter 52 there, he's presenting the servant, the Messiah, the one who's going to cause king's mouths to drop. They will be stunned and shut. They cannot say a word. And, uh, well, if he's that awesome, right? So are you in? That's the question in chapter one or uh, verse one. Who believes? He's calling for the remnant of Israel. Uh, Those of you Jews who are ready to believe, stand up. And and those of you Gentiles, the ones who are going to be grafted in, uh, respond. Who's going to believe? Well, your first thought might be, well, if he's going to be that awesome, who wouldn't believe? Right? And uh, so verse 2 kind of clears that up. Why is it a big question? Verse 2. For he grew up before them. 
like a young plant and like a root out of, out of dry ground. He grew up before them. Hey, Isaiah 53 is a prophecy. And remember, this was written some 700 to 750 years, probably about 750 before the time of Christ, especially before the time where Christ was ruling and reigning or making an impact, I should say, uh, with his miracles. Uh, 750 years before it. He's going to grow up before you. And so 750 years later in the book of Luke, chapter 2, it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with both God and man. Prophecy fulfilled. Right? Luke 2, 52. Matthew 13, 55, they're questioning why they should even believe. And they say, isn't this just a carpenter's son? Right? Like he was just a guy down the block who hammered nails. I know that guy. Why should I be stunned by him? I think my job's more important than his anyway. He's just a carpenter's kid. Big deal. Yeah, he grew up before them. Uh, prophecy fulfilled. It says, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. Uh, bummer. Right? Uh, when Jesus chose to come into this world, can you imagine the angels standing side by side? They're like, oh, Jesus is taking on human flesh. This is going to be amazing. He's going to be like the most awesome human being in the world. Seriously, that was your choice. Like that's, that's what was going on. He really wasn't that much to look at. That's what he's saying. People would be walking by and they'd see some good looking Jewish person and it wasn't Jesus. He was just one of them. One among many. Not all that great. Just hanging out next to them. Uh, the grandeur of Jesus Christ was not displayed by the clothing he put on for that moment. You know what I'm saying? Frailty. Uh, no beauty. Uh, some of us are like, I kind of identify with him more now. Right? Yeah. Verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteem him not. Despised and rejected. The, the greatest king of the universe among them. And they weren't getting it. They were treating him differently. 750 years later, prophecy fulfilled. Luke 22, 63 and 64, it says, Now the men were holding Jesus in custody. And they were mocking him as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, Prophesy, who is it that struck you just now? Uh, they were mistreated and beating him. Uh, another one, Luke 23, 9 and 10. So Pilate questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by vehemently accusing him. They were against him, and they weren't even exactly sure why. Uh, Luke 23, 18. But they all cried together, away with this man and release to us Barabbas. Uh, if you want to say it differently, release to us a great loser and forget you who's perfect and came for me. And he was despised, rejected, not understood, turned away. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Uh, this means several different things. It means, first of all, in the first person, he experienced sorrow and grief. Uh, he gets it. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. 
Like he experienced the hurts of this world and the sting of pain and the rejection of man and, and the pain that death can cause and the stir that it can cause in a family. And Jesus gets it firsthand. Uh, but he was also more like a physician among the pain as well. And uh, so he was acquainted with sorrows and grief, right? Uh, you could say of a guy who sees people every day who are hurting and works with them, he's very well acquainted with it. That's what we're talking about. Uh, it's first person and second person and third person. At every level, he experienced sorrows and griefs. And uh, Jesus humbly taking on what he did not have to take on. Look, he could have stepped into this universe and thundered like in Isaiah 6 and made himself known. But he had a better plan. And so he humbled himself with frailty for you and for me. That's our God. An amazing plan of replacement payment. Hey, this is what uh, the Christmas season is all about. This is why we celebrate in this season, because we have a king who came for us. And, and quite often we think of king and coming and those kinds of things. But we need to think of the unbelievable reduction in status, the humbling that our king went through as he took on the very clothes of those he made and then was rejected by them. Uh, what a great season for us to remember gift giving, right? Every moment of Christmas where we give a gift, it's not because it's all about uh, giving product, right? Christmas, it's about reflecting our great gift giver, Jesus Christ, and uh, celebrating in that season. Whether you're decorating your house or decorating the stage, I mean, did this not turn out nice, right? Nice little uh, thank Larry for that and uh, people he rallied together there to get decorated just so we could celebrate a little bit of the season and remember what's going on. And, and uh, this season, as you celebrate your parties, as you celebrate uh, fr- friends and family and take time together to laugh and have some meals together and share some gifts, those are all great things. Do that and enjoy life and family. But at the same time, remember the reason for the season. Our king who humbled himself. Our king who humbled himself. Um, We have a God who rocks us with his glory repeatedly. And I got a text this week from a guy who just, as we've been walking through this and texting back and forth, hey, what'd you get out of it this week kind of thing. Um, His statement to me was, wow, uh, I was stunned by his glory. Uh, but I didn't really recognize how strongly he reduced himself. Uh, I often forget, he says, that for that short period of time, he was among us and he lived such a simple life despised by so many. What a simple truth. And yet so essential if we're going to grasp the greatness of Jesus Christ. It's that he's willing to not only thunder the universe, but also take on humble beginnings. For you and for me. That's Jesus Christ. He loves you. Passionately. And he came as a baby. Not even that good looking of a baby. For us. That's our God. May we constantly remember him in the season. Take the next uh, 15 to 20 days. And as you're celebrating. Be celebrating him. Be reminding yourself of him. May this season really be worshiping our Savior. Amen.
and his sacrifice. So point number two, uh, it truly sacrificial, sacrificial. He was willingly whipped, crushed, oppressed, and killed for our sin. Sacrificial. He was willingly whipped, crushed, oppressed, and killed. That's a nasty list of verbs, isn't it? Uh, whipped and crushed and oppressed and killed and going through some pretty heavy stuff for us. It says in verse four, surely, have you ever started out a sentence that way? Right? Usually it's being pretty facetious when we are, right? Surely you don't mean, right? That kind of thing. And surely, like, come on, if we really look at this, of course, right? Obviously, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, the emphasis on our. He has borne our griefs, not his own. He has carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. We basically thought that God had a problem with him. That's what Isaiah is saying. 750 years forward, the Messiah would show up and huge things are taking place and Jesus is moving in the masses and people are healed and the truth is spoken and and then he begins to be mistreated and people are like, God must not be good with him. Do you see how poorly it's going for him? Uh, He must have a heart problem somewhere. And, And they believed that he was suffering because of his own mistakes when he was really taking on our grief. Our sin, the pain that we should have been receiving. Uh, Jesus acutely was aware of punishment and pain, and it wasn't even his own. Uh, John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave. And this was a son who stepped into the world with a lot of punishment and pain. That whosoever believes in him. Might not perish, but have everlasting life. Hope in our king because of his sacrifice. It says he was wounded uh, for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. He was wounded for our transgression. You know what a transgression is? Uh, That's when you knowingly violate the law. I knew it was wrong. I did it anyway. He was wounded for that. Or our iniquities. <coughs> you know, those things we do wrong where we didn't even know it was wrong. And yet we did it anyway. Those things where we're not at all. That was a cough drop. We're going to try to keep it under control here. <coughs> iniquities. It's the part of us that we didn't even know we're doing wrong, but we're doing wrong. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us Peace. We have one hope, Jesus Christ. Uh, him for me, that's what we have is our hope. It says, and with his stripes, we are healed. With his stripes, we are healed. I'm telling you, it's amazing to look at the promise that was put in Isaiah 53 and the myths that so many people have in it. Romans 4.25 says, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. This is Jesus Christ. He was wounded for us. I mean, it's such a great truth and it's such a gospel-centered truth. And let me tell you, the gospel was made available in Isaiah 53. 750 years before Christ, it was made clear that he would bear our transgressions 
and our sins. Do you get that? Like when Jesus was walking along and explaining to people from the Old Testament about who he would be and what the gospel is. I'm telling you, Isaiah 53 had to be a prominent moment. Was when he's walking along, he's like, hey, and now Isaiah 53. And then starts to go through it and they're like, oh, eyes popping. That's what it meant. And you for me? Wow. That's our God. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Uh, so many of us have memorized this passage. And, and uh, all we like sheep have gone astray. And, you know, sheep, just so you understand this, uh, they're not very smart. And uh, so this isn't a compliment. Uh, all we like sheep, kind of that dumb drift that takes place as you get attracted to a blade of grass and one blade of grass at a time, you wander away from the shepherd constantly in awe of the next one away. You're like chewing right here and you're like, Oh, Oh, right. The dumb drift. That's what happens to us as we wander away from our King. It's rarely just one big rebellious run. It's often a slow self-drift where he uh, is wandered away from. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That slow drift, he paid the price for. That's exactly why he was paying the penalty. Why he was carrying the punishment. Wounded for our transgressions by his stripes. We were healed. It said Uh, then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came to him saying, hail king of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. Uh, First Peter ends up quoting that and saying by his wounds, we are healed. Quoting Isaiah 53. John chapter 19 was a passage I just read. It describes Jesus suffering for us, a prophecy fulfilled. The Lord laid on himself the sin of us all. That's our great king. Sacrificial, uh, humble, willing for you and for me. Notice it says right after it, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Jesus Christ, for some reason, would not be speaking, it says. Uh, Fast forward 750 years, Matthew chapter 26, 59. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus. Seeking false testimony that they might put him to death. Like, we can't really find a reason. Let's make one up. You hearing it? But they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last, two came forward. See, the big deal was you had to have two that agreed. Okay? And every moron that came forward lying was not agreeing with the other moron. That's what was happening. Let's be real. And so they're all trying to make it up so they can kill him. And he's like, well, I heard him say this. Well, the other guy just said this. Oh, man. The lies weren't working. At last, two of them somehow coerced together and they came forward and they said, 
This man said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. Now, the appropriate response there for Jesus would have been, it was a metaphor, right? I'm talking about my body. You're going to kill me. And in three days, I'm going to come back to life. And uh, I got to tell you, I would have said that. I would have been justifying myself and making it clear. And uh, I, I understand that I'm defending myself too much at times. And, and Jesus Christ, knowing exactly what God called him to, it says that he, well, he just stayed silent. And the high priest stood up and said, have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. I'm telling you, Isaiah 53 is a stunning prophecy of our Savior coming and what he would be doing and what he was like. Uh, It says, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? Who would have ever assumed that this was actually because of us? We assumed it was because he didn't know how to navigate the waters politically and socially. And and then he had sin ridden in his life and God wasn't blessing him. And nope, all along, it was us. And now the passage gets very specific. And they made his grave with the wicked. Remember, he was crucified between two thieves. And then he was buried amongst men. And we were told in Romans 3, right? For all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. All men, wicked, standing before God. He's just buried like one of the normal human beings. The king of the universe, living perfectly, buried amongst sinful man. And then it says, and with a rich man in his death. Can you imagine the people of that time reading this? 750 years before Christ. And they made a grave with the wicked. And with a rich man in his death. I thought this guy was just a little carpenter. I thought this guy was just some nobody. I don't really understand. How does a nobody who's wicked and gets punished and crucified end up with a rich man? How does he end up rich? I don't understand how that works out. And right. We'll have to just watch and see when this one takes place. By the way, do notice that every one of these descriptions is in the past tense. Uh, And they made. Are you hearing it all past tense? Like it's done and it's asserted and it's true. It is prophetic, but it is trusted. I count it as over. In the Hebrew, you have a choice of two types of verbs. One that's not done yet, that'd be like future, and one that's done. That's one that can totally be trusted on. And so even though he's referring to something that's going to happen, he uses the verbs. It's done. And uh, buried with the rich. When it was evening... There came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus after being crucified. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph, the rich man, took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Matthew 27, 57 to 60. And with a rich man in his death. 
Joseph of Arimathea. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Don't be mistaken. Yes, he was buried. Uh, Yes, he was killed. No, it was not deserved. Uh, No, he was not imperfect like the rest of humanity. No, he lived like he should have lived for all of eternity. And we, because of our sin, brought it upon him. Let's be clear. Him for me was the plan, not him for him. Right? Are we hearing it? Gospel message being preached. Huge in this. Uh, Our Savior sacrificing for us. uh, Making intercession for us. Being there for us. You know, said he had done no violence and no deceit found in his mouth. 1 Peter 2, 22 ends up quoting the same passage. uh, Who knew no sin and no deceit was in his mouth. Uh, Him for me. That's the gospel message. Him for me. Like, I owe a penalty I cannot pay. And all that I can do is be separated for eternity. But you, you are offering on your cross, your shed blood, replacement payment for me. Thank you, Lord, for what you're offering. Him for me. Maybe we should just say it together. What is it? Yeah, that's the gospel message. If somebody's like, I don't understand. Help me get what this whole Jesus thing is about. Three words. What's it? That's all it is. Like if I could explain to you Jesus Christ in three words, him for me, nothing else. That's what it is. My king, humble and sacrificial. It's what? Thank you. The gospel message. Absolutely crystal clear 750 years before the time of Christ Is God sovereign? Does God have his hand on everything? And does that bring great hope? Our sacrificial king Him for me That's our God You know uh, The gospel message can uh, literally transform a life And uh, in the last few weeks, we have had well over 40 people who have told us that they've accepted Christ. We have a number of others who have come and said, I'm not sure I get it yet, but I'm still working through it. And and, and I'm starting to see things I hadn't seen before. And and, uh, maybe I had one last week who said, this is the first time I've been to a, a church, really, other than the one I went to growing up. And I'm starting to hear things I've never heard before. You can just hear progress. God's stirring in hearts. And let me tell you, the gospel message is a message of hope and change that we each need to grab onto. We each. And so how do we grab onto this gift? It's not just the gift is handed over to you and so it's just applied and I'm just, I'm just saved. That's just what God does for us. And no, it's that there's interaction and you have responsibility to believe and confess, right? Uh, we talk about it's not easy, but it's simple as ABC, right? And so admit that I'm not perfect. Lord, I come up short. And I need you. Romans 3.10 and 3.23. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that's where I stand. I'm not perfect. And I even see here, Lord, that you're bearing my transgressions. And then believe. Believe that he is Jesus Christ, a king of the universe. That he died. But it says believe that he rose again. There is life and hope in Jesus. Believe that God raised him from the dead. That there's power in him. And uh, okay, well, I can admit that and I can believe that. 
Uh, let me tell you, I ain't giving him anything of me. Like, I'm doing my own thing. And yeah, that's not what it's all about. Uh, the devils believe and they tremble, James chapter 2, right? And be careful. It's not just some mental ascent. We in the Western world love to separate the mind and the heart. It's not just some, I think it, so therefore it is. No, it's not that. Now, that becomes witchcraft. I don't know if you know that. Like if it's just some magic mantra I quote, and it's just my head that's in, but not me being a whole all part of it, uh, it's just some magic little mantra thing, yeah, that's witchcraft. Okay, and, well, no, I think I kind of earn it more. I go after it by doing things God wants. And yeah, that's karma. All right, we're not into either of those things. Uh, we're into what gospel message is. Him for me. Like your blood on the cross replacing what I owe. And Lord, I believe in you. And I confess you. And I long for you to replace what I owe. Please forgive me, Lord. You're my king. Have your way with me. What do you want done that you might get the greater glory? That's saved. All right? If you have not put your trust in Christ, please do it today. Put the stake in the ground right here and right now and say, Lord, I want you to be my God. I'm trusting in you with all I have. Give him your all. It's easy. You're just handing it over. No more fight. Lord, I'm done. And and you can start with a prayer, but remember, it's not the magic of a prayer. It's, Lord, I'm committing to you. I believe and I'm willing to confess you as my king. Whether I talk to other people or I'm praying to you in private, I'm confessing you as my king. I trust you as my savior. Make today the day you trust in him. And, uh, and if you already do trust in him, just know this. All too often we become that sheep who easily strays away yet again. And dumb drift one step at a time. Lord, may I wake up to your voice and run to your side that you might get the greater glory. I want to be by your side for all of eternity. Hey, what's that thing that causes you to drift away? What's that thing that distracts you maybe more than anything else? And you can find yourself hillsides away from Jesus. Maybe it needs to be set down right now. And you come running to the voice of the shepherd. Our sacrificial king for us. This great prophecy allows us to respond to our God um, as humble and sacrificial. Uh, the other passages we've looked at allowed us to look at his holiness and his greatness and his sovereignty. These huge parts of him. And yet those huge God pieces Kneeling down before you and me. Are you kidding me? Lord, I kneel before you. That needs to be our response. God, may you have my heart and my all in this Christmas season. So yeah, he's humble. Yes, he's sacrificial. And number three, our hope, although ridden with sin, we can forgiven, uh, we can be forgiven and accounted as righteous through him. Although ridden with sin, we can be forgiven and accounted as righteous through him. Remember, we just read that he bore our griefs. He was wounded for our transgression. 
He was stricken for our sin. That he humbly and willingly went for me and for you. Uh, Him for me. That's what it's all about. And here we go. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. That wasn't some mistake. It was the very hand of God moving in plan and in concert as they were making one big celebration statement. We have it all under control. We know exactly what we're doing as we win back the ones we love. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. Uh, That's a pretty harsh word, crush. Um, I kind of hope God chooses not to use that word with me at times. Know what I'm saying? Boy, it'd be great, Lord, if you didn't crush me today. Right? Uh, But these are verbs that we still need to be willing uh, to say, Lord, whatever. Uh, When Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, it's, Lord, take this cup from me. Uh, Crushed would be nice to not have. That's what he was saying. Yet not my will, but your will be done. That's what it looks like to follow and trust in him. Uh, We may not see the whole picture. We may not get everything that's going on, but God, I understand that you're in charge and your will is awesome. And I lean on you and I follow your example modeled of humility and sacrifice and being crushed even when undeserved. Lord, may I simply worship you no matter what your choice. It was the will of the Lord to crush him and he has put him to grief. And he has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. And by his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, get ready, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Man, I love that phrase. Make many to be accounted righteous. That's what he's doing for us. Look, it's not some little magic trick. It's not some bogus declaration. He's saying, I count you as righteous. And um, just so you know, when you say the word I count you as, it means you aren't. But he's treating you as you are. Did you get that? I count you as righteous. Not behold, today you are righteous. But hear this. He's prophesying over you too. Because he's saying, but you will be righteous. I'm working in you. And today I count you as righteous. And there is a day where you will be righteous. And I am raising you towards that every day. Sanctification process. Him working in me. That I might be just like him. Conformed to his image for eternity. Accounted as righteous. And one day will be righteous. Never because of me. Always because of him. And all of God's people said, hey, that's the gospel message on fire in my life. Like gospel message. Heaven someday. Right? Uh, Trusting in God. Gospel message on fire in my life. And he's working right here today and tomorrow and the next day. And every day he will be glorified. Sometimes in the moment and sometimes uh, in a year or so when I get that thing done and I grasp that I need to let go of it and, and, and I start to transform in that area strictly because his glory has poured over me 
and I am changed from one degree of glory to the next, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Transformation process, it's a part of him fulfilling his promise in you. I declare you as righteous. Judicially, I will not hold you accountable. And by the way, I'm going to make good on that promise. I'm delivering you up as righteous in one day and age. And that's when we end up in heaven, by the way. For those of you wondering, will it be here on earth? Good luck on that one. Uh, No. Uh, This side of heaven, we will have a war with flesh, Romans 7. This side of heaven, we're struggling and we're growing. And God, every day we're getting you more and more. And may I grasp you more and more. And there will be a day where the sin-ridden self is shocked. And I am with you for eternity. And in that moment, perfection. And I'm telling you, we're going to be like, this is what it's like to not have sin in me. That moment is going to be stunning. And as we now, for the first time with purity, look to our God, wow, we're going to be amazed with his awesomeness. I can't wait. Our sacrificial savior is our hope for tomorrow. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many and he shall divide the spoil with the strong like a king would get everything. You know what I'm saying? Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. He bore the sins of you and me and makes intercession for us even today. First John 2, same thing, right? He's our advocate for you and for me. We have a king who loves us and he stooped down for us and he served us. Don't ever get comfortable with that position. Do you know what? Do you hear what I'm saying on that? Like all too often we can kind of get, at first you're like, oh no, 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 don't do that. And then they keep doing it and you're like, okay, go ahead. And then we're like, I'm kind of good with this. Don't ever get comfortable with the fact that Christ is serving you. Know this, it is for a moment in time to make a penalty paid. And our job is to get into an absolute worship position of him. Not him worshiping us, us worshiping him. He did not come to this earth because he thought we were all that. He came to this earth because he is a loving God. And he reached out in the midst of our sin. Right? God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What an amazing gift we have. What an amazing king we have. Jaw drop over his humble sacrifice for us. That's where we need to be, all right? And uh, how do we celebrate that? How can we remember that? What can we do on a regular basis that could possibly help us recall uh, what Christ has done for us? Oh, here's an idea, Uh, communion, right? And so we thought today would be a great day to uh, do that. I'm just going to ask servers to get in their positions in the moment. And uh, worship team's going to come on up too. People aren't leaving because they're upset about communion. They're getting ready to help you have communion, okay? All right. And, uh, yeah, when a hundred people have to move at once, it's probably good to say why, right? Listen, communion. Uh, we don't take communion to be saved. We take communion because we are saved. And so if you don't know what I mean by saved today, if you haven't put your faith and trust in Christ yet, if you haven't said, like, in this moment, I trust him. And like, if you're not sure where you are with Jesus Christ, it's okay. Just pass the bread and cup and just say, not for now, and be praying. Work through with him right now. Lord, I'm, I'm stunned with who you are from Isaiah 53. Spend some time with him privately. That's okay. And, uh, but if you trust him as your savior, 
then in this moment, as the bread and cup are passed, just take a bread and cup and, and, uh, we'll take together at the end, but take that out and continue to pass it down. And then we're going to pray together and work together through giving him over some things right now and then celebrating him. All right. So uh, let me just pray here first and then we'll have the bread and cup pass. Father, Lord, we worship you and we celebrate you. And uh, you are our king. We don't deserve this. And yet you humbled yourself and became a man. Wow. God, may we in this moment just hand our hearts over to you. You're amazing. And we're in awe. Hey, just take some time now to reflect as the bread and cup are passed. Um, There might be a thing you need to confess right now and say, Lord, please forgive me. Take this time to do that. What is it you need to let go of? What is it you need to let go of? Lord, please forgive me. What is that transgression? You know, that thing where you knew it was wrong, but you go after it anyway. Or maybe even the iniquity. Lord, just forgive me for the stuff I don't even know I'm doing wrong. Please forgive me. Lay it down before him. And now it's time to breathe in. Enough exhaling, right? Inhale. And uh, Father, we're in awe of your plan. Just thank him for Jesus Christ as sacrifice. Humble king. Be stunned by him. Praise him. Lord, we worship you as the one who bore our transgressions and, and was in pain with our pain and grief, what we owed. Jesus, we thank you for your willingness to go to the cross for us. Lord, we're stunned by your plan and humbled. Maybe in this moment as you're worshiping him, something else has just come to mind. Something else you need to let go of. Then do that. Take time again to exhale. This is what it means to spiritually breathe. Just some time together confessing and praising and confessing. And again, just lay it before him. What needs to go? back to inhaling get this king of kings and lord of lords 
Thank him for being that. Almighty God, thank him. Holding the universe together by his very presence. Absolute and total sovereignty. And yet a plan of love in the midst. Lord, we worship you and we celebrate you and we thank you for who you are. May this communion cup never stop with just the shame of my sin. But may I realize so quickly how I get the freedom to pour that at the foot of your cross. And it's all about you, my risen savior, my king of kings, my Lord of lords and your replacement payment for me. Lord, I'm in awe of who you are. I so thank you for what you've done for me. I celebrate you in this moment. Jesus, Messiah, reigning king. That's our God for us. What a moment we have. Just breathe deep for one more moment. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. And all of God's people said, the power of communion is in the remembering of who he is and what he does for us. From his humble beginnings to his grandeur galore. And uh, Lord, thank you for you in my life. You know, as he stood with his disciples and they didn't even get what he was talking about. He broke the bread. And he took it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Probably could have said, this is a metaphor. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like they weren't getting it and people missed it all the time. But he was saying, this is my body broken for you guys. I'm going to be paying the ultimate price and I will bear your transgressions. Take and eat. And then he held up the cup and he said, this, this is my blood poured out for you. And uh, this represents everything, right? He says, this do you in remembrance of me. And, and Lord, may we, as we take this drink now, just remember your penalty that took my sin. Each thing we've done wrong on his body for me. Take and drink and thanks. Amen. Hey, the gospel message in three easy words. Uh, what is it? Yeah, that's it. Uh, hey, what was church about today? And here endeth the lesson, right? Isaiah 53 speaks powerfully of the gospel message. I love it. If somebody ever says to you, yeah, but is that Old Testament really applicable? Hello? 
pull them to Isaiah 53 and walk them through the gospel message that God might be glorified. Amen. All right. Let me just close here in prayer.